Carm? Yes? What if I told you <laughs> that I'm inviting you back onto this podcast? Starting right now. And in fact, it's not just me on this podcast. I come with somebody else. What if I told you that other person was also named Mark, but goes by the last name of Grody? Is this a real thing? Carmel, what's up, buddy? Hey, Marco. Hi, buddy. Sound like you just woke up, no? No, 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 no. Grinding it out over here. All right. Just, just reflecting on a last dance. Getting a little emotional knowing we only have one Sunday left. All right. Well, let's let's dive into this last dance. <laughs> Carm, I had a feeling that every time... No no, they... no, 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 no. Before we go any further, I want you to apologize to your listeners right now before I do this podcast for ever insinuating that Michael Jordan was kicked out of basketball. Every viable reference that's oh, ever been... Oh, stop it. Don't... Wait, 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 wait. I'll, I'll control this podcast. Thank you very much. You just <laughs> take you it down a malarkey? notch. Grody, guys p- posting on Facebook that Jordan was kicked out of basketball. No, no, well, no, 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 no. Hold on. Let malarkey, me. Hold malarkey, on. Malarkey, all right. Malarkey is Carmi. Okay, hold on one second. It's funny that Marky is bringing the malarkey here. To set it up for everybody, I put out on Facebook that, of course, the conspiracy will continue just because everybody denied it. If everybody said that we landed on the moon and it happened for sure. But if that's the message they want to pass along and hide the truth, maybe we didn't land on the moon there, Carmi. Maybe that didn't happen. I didn't yeah, say uh, that I believed it. I'm just saying the only way to further insinuate a conspiracy is to deny. You think they're going to be like, you know what? I've been waiting 30 years for this po- for this documentary to come out. I was kicked out of basketball for gambling. It's not going to come out right now, and it's not going to happen that quietly. I feel like we're in the Shawshank right now saying this is a conspiracy and you're the warden. No, I'm just saying that a conspiracy is going to keep going on because the two main people who everybody is doubting said that they are, and the guy died. So what if they just, what if David Stern was going to say it, and all of a sudden they just rubbed him out? (laughs) Mark? What if I told you that everything you think that happened, come to that gambling, got muddied up because we all cared more about Jordan's dad? And you mean to tell me that Michael Jordan's dad had nobody to drive him to an airport to and from? He actually pulled over in the middle of the night to take a nap. Who does? Has anybody in here ever driven and pulled off on the side of a highway to take a nap? Yes. You have? Yes, absolutely. I always on the highway, car. not like on a, at a rest stop or like the McDonald's somewhere. You actually pulled over to the shoulder and said, all right, I'm clocking out. I've clocked out on the shoulder. <laughs> no rest. All right. Stop, they are yes. make, they are saying he clocked out on the shoulder. Here's the only thing, guys, that I still question about the Jordan Jordan's first retirement as far as Michael's concerned. So. The, the documentary makes you believe, and for the most part, I believe it, that he quit because of he was just overwhelmed by everything. He, was, he couldn't accomplish anything more. Uh, the bright lights maybe were getting to him. His father may have played a role in terms of the grief that he was feeling. But my question is this, then. 
if he's going to quit because of those reasons, why then did he stay in relative limelight by playing baseball? It's not like he dropped out of society. He was still very present and still very followed and still um, very much had microphones and, in his face. And so that's, the only, that's the only thing I wondered about. Like, if Michael was really feeling those things, he would have thought that he would have just gone under for a while, but he didn't. And there's one more, there's one more piece to add with that. I have heard this from Bill Weddington, who I will not just drop a name, but I'll drop the name. He said that Jordan was practicing the entire time with those guys, that his locker room constantly had stuff in his locker. He would come more than occasionally to practice just to play with those guys, and it wasn't until when all of a sudden Tony Kukoc and everybody looked over and his locker room was filled with shoes that they put it together that he was actually coming back to play. But he was practicing the entire time. It wasn't like, hey, let's go get some pancakes at Baker Square. Oh, my God, I forgot what the Birdo Center looked like. He was there the whole time. I would submit that him playing baseball was the best way that he could possibly connect to his dad. And so even though he was still in the limelight, not in the limelight with like the pressure of trying to win an NBA title limelight, but still the media around, I think basically he got to wake up every day and have a conversation with his dad as he's going to the field and trying to see if he can pull off what you know would have been an absolute miracle. Here's the real trolling that occurred, though, uh, Mr. Mark Carmen, by, yes. by way of King Troll Dan Levy. He trolled me <laughs> a little bit last night because one of the things that I thought was a glaring omission was that they did not do anything, not even a brief mention, not even a drive-by on the Hugh Hollins call on Scottie Pippen and the semis against the New York Knicks where if they win that game, then there's a good chance that they ultimately move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. There was no mention of that whatsoever. And then our friend here, LeviCast, head of the LeviCast, says, <laughs> who cares? It doesn't matter. Houston would have beaten the Bulls Smoked anyway. them. They would have torched the Bulls. Right, but to Mark's point, it sh- A, should have been touched on. And but B, why? 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 Why not? I don't understand. Because that was, the, that Hold was on. the biggest part of that series. I don't I mean, think I, about it, Levy. If if Pippen gets the Bulls to the to the finals, isn't that pretty extraordinary? That 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 this whole documentary that is being made about Michael Jordan and the the goat, and he is the goat. But what if Pippen got them? You know. What if I told you, Scotty Pippen? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. One more time. Hang on. Go. What if I told you <laughs> that Scotty Pippen, the second best player in Bulls franchise history, got the Bulls to the NBA Finals the year Jordan retired? God, that felt good. Well, I'll, I'll walk it back by it's still. I mean, he still got them to the Eastern Conference Finals. Semis. No, well, he did different. not, Dan. All right, he still got them to the Eastern Conference Semifinals. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I'm not as detailed as you guys because I'm not living in the past. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're just ridiculous. <laughs> I know. Even though, even though we're doing a whole podcast on a, on a documentary of the past, I'm not in the past. But I don't understand. Bulls fans are constantly so upset about the most minute things. All right. Guess what? Scotty Pippen would have blown it anyway. That guy could even set a play out for somebody else. Pippen would have blown it. He choked it. And everybody's very up. They get Bulls fans get very upset about Hugh Hollins, and they're very upset that the Detroit Pistons won't shake hands, even play though the, the Bulls went on to win the play, finals. Play the music. Play the music for me. Play the music. All right. What if I told you <laughs> that you're out of your fucking mind, Dan Levy? Yeah, Dan, 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 do me a favor on your own good. podcast. That's pretty good. And 
and, and just stop talking for one second. The, here is, oh, I'm sorry. Does it call the Carmcast? <laughs> well, we have to correct. Which would be a lot better than ridiculous be a, road. It'd be a lot better than the Windy City Carm. I'll tell you that. Yeah, much. It's called the Windy City Podcast, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. God. And God. let me tell you something, Dan Levy. I thought, to Mark's point, the reason why that was left out is somehow, some way, a little bit of Michael influence in there where he didn't want a sort of reason why they lost other than he was not there to be presented. And for us sycophant Jordan fans like myself, that was the hardest Bulls team for me to enjoy because I knew that if they won, it was going to tarnish his legacy. So while everyone's enjoying the Bulls at that time, I'm like at games and like kind of rooting for them, but also feeling sick inside because like I couldn't believe what was going on and I was partially happy when they lost. Isn't there also like a, a side of you that whenever they said, and now the shooting guard is Pete Myers that just kind of shrunk? <laughs> it was the worst. <laughs> it was the worst. When I, whenever you played like a, it was like, it was like playing a video game where they didn't have the license to any really the good players, and you just threw out generic guys. Pete I, Myers I was, was that generic Jordan for a while. I was into JoJo English. Marco, did you feel any of what I was feeling there during that year? You know what? I really didn't, but I will take it a step further on what you were saying. I will I will bet you. I would If I could put the money down on it, I would say that Michael Jordan was probably also happy that the Bulls lost in the semis and did not do a lot without him. I mean, that that's probably for somebody who is, you know is the greatest of all time and has the ego that he has and the drive that he has. He wants it to be because of him. I bet he was pretty happy. He wants it. He wants. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to see that team that he left go to the finals or win anything without him. But I don't know. No, I wasn't feeling that, man. I mean, I was kind of enjoying the Scotty Pippen ride, and I thought it would have been fascinating if they had gotten into the Eastern Conference Finals and that's why there was also part of me last night watching that I was glad they didn't go through the Hugh Hollins thing because it would have just pissed me off like it should have been covered but I was glad it wasn't covered because I just would have become angered I was actually I was actually impressed that when that whole famous scene of Scotty Pippen pointing to the Jordan shoe and telling him to come back I'm surprised that worked. Michael Jordan brought that up. I thought that was like the cheesiest like Jordan come on back I ever heard, but that actually inspired Michael to come back. That was interesting to me. Yeah, that, that was interesting, and he he wanted it's like even Michael wanted to feel wanted, right? That's what that's what I not thought. wanted, oh, but the begging feeling, the begging feeling. Right. And, I, and, and I gotta tell you, if I was like Bill Weddington or Steve Kerr, and that whole year playing with like a Jordan free Bulls where no one's yelling at you. And then all of a sudden, Michael Jordan comes back. It's kind of like when the substitute teacher's there for about a week, and then they leave, and the real teacher comes back. You're like, oh, shit, this guy's going to kick my ass. Totally. I was thinking the exact same thing. And, like, I've always wondered that. There, there have to be guys privately who were, while they all, you know, accepted the fruits of Michael's labor and the championships and the fame that, you know, relative to Michael, that they did get out of it and still use today a lot of these. Yeah, it, they're it, – it probably there were probably players who were like, ah, shit. Was was Burrell? Yeah, Burrell was probably ah, like, oh, son of a fucking bitch. This guy is back. Uh, I'm pretty sure when I'm pretty sure when Steve Kerr got that right hook to the face, he was like, that would have happened with Pete Myers last year. <laughs> I, I want to uh, before we get too far away from it. I want to rewind back to a point that Mr. Grody made about uh, Jordan not wanting them to win when they showed him in the documentary. 
at his locker in baseball. I mean, he was basically all smiles after they lost. He wasn't like weeping at his locker, distressed about it. You know, <laughs> he was probably like, "All right, it's time. It's time. I've been suspended long enough." All right, so let's move on. <laughs> I was, I actually, I mean, I, I thought it was pretty good for a moment there because. I love seeing Michael Jordan cry only when it came to that part, which I thought was interesting. Like the whole time he mentioned his dad, I was looking in his eyes, not really a tear, but when he had to explain that he's an asshole to win, that's what it made him cry. That's interesting to me because I, I mean, I'm somebody who lost a father and I don't think there's ever, maybe Michael's right. Maybe I didn't win anything in my life, but I've never, I've never had a professional accomplishment, trump a feeling of a lost father. Even now. Yeah, I was. it was odd to actually hear the audio of Jordan crying because we've all seen the visual of him, you know, in anguish and, you know, elation or whatever he was feeling at that moment. Uh, but to actually hear the, the, the bellowing cry was, was pretty real. I never heard the audio. Usually it's just a... Uh... I don't think that it's ever been played. Michael, no. Has it? I don't think it's ever been. I had never heard it, and that thing was guttural and deep into what, Dan Levy, you're teeing up here. That was the real dad dying pain that he had buried deep inside Mike all coming out right there. If I was to quibble with one thing about that scene that bothered me, number one, Joe Lee, quit putting the towel on him. Just leave him be. You're not there to console him. Just let him have his moment. Oh, I love Joe Lee, though. Great man, but we didn't need the multiple touching of Jordan. Just leave the guy alone. Let him have his tears. And he also, like they're saying, guys, guys, get out of here as they're filming him. Didn't need to have any words from you people. Just let him have his moment. Just gradually walk in front of the cameras and push him out of there in silence so he can continue to fully express himself. I did not like how the personnel around him were just basically ruining Jordan's moment, even though nothing could ruin it because he was so deep I was going to say, but I like, I like seeing it. So, I mean, it's oh, one of those things it. where you're like, he was having his moment, but I think we as a uh, as people that are obsessed with MJ and that the things that he makes us almost cry just by seeing him, I think all of us are kind of like in that phase of, uh, yeah, I want I like seeing the human, the humanized version of him. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying it could have been filmed without any speaking whatsoever by anyone and or touching by Jolie straight hero. <laughs> if we could go back and do it again. Well, I loved Jolie and I, I do miss that guy. Um, I was I was talking more along the lines of the first episode when Jordan was crying, not not that part, the part of the when he won the finals, the crying that was awesome. But I think that in terms of the uh, like when in the end of the first, the I think it was that episode seven when he started talking about how much of a, an asshole he could be and how he was saying that you know for those of you that don't understand what it's like to be that way, you probably never actually won anything in your life. I under I understood that that was a good that was a good shot at me, even though I, I didn't deserve it. But I, I, I understood it, but it made him cry more than him talking about his dad, which I found to be the most interesting hey, of all the parallels. How about the scene last night after the, the B.J. Armstrong game against Charlotte where B.J. <laughs> that was, was really awesome. Good, hit some big shots, and then you have Jordan sitting by his locker with a cigar in his mouth and with a baseball bat twirling. And just kind of like making very subtle threats, like wait till it's zero zero yep. for tomorrow's game. And what in the hell? <laughs> what was BJ Ar- like? BJ Armstrong is a smart guy, like a really like book smart, you know, a guy who is a super intelligent dude. Because he and knew, 
if he BJ knew. Armstrong trashed BJ, BJ knew just by having that kind of game, it was over. He right, knew so he knew that he knew that he was, was on a team dumb, that, that was wasn't dumb, beating that, that Bulls. A, that was a dumbass move by BJ Armstrong. But it was gonna have I mean, MJ would have just looked for that. The fact that he had a game, MJ would have looked for that. And the fact that well, he yeah, did not no, stop Armstrong. It was gonna have it was happening regardless, Mark. No, no, you're not following me here. BJ Armstrong knows better to to trash talk. No, I gotcha. I gotcha. I'm just saying that even if he had not trash talked MJ. MJ would have watched ESPN and they would have kept saying former bull BJ Armstrong had a night against his old team and that would have been enough. Yeah. So you might as well get one good death stare into the in the eyes of MJ, Phil Jackson, and the Bulls when you know that it's over after that. I mean, he even said that there's no way they were beating the Bulls. This is the first time in my life and I feel somewhat uh, sheepish to admit it that I'm fully with Dan Levy. BJ, <laughs> what if BJ, I told you? BJ, hold on. What so if I told you that I would actually say something that Mark Carmen would agree with, and almost maybe want to stop the podcast just to keep playing that over and over again? Go ahead. Well, to Dad's point, look, BJ was had to have been extremely disappointed. Here he is; he's best friends with Michael, or very close with him. They're talking the whole time. He's down playing baseball. He's having breakfast with him at Baker Square. He brings him back to the Birdo Center. He, you know, basically at least guides him back through the doors, and he and he comes back. And now they're on the verge of. And if, you know, BJ also was a backup in, in 90 and 91 and 92. Now he was a starter in 93. He's about to be a starter on this new Bulls going to win a title team. And they ship him off for Ron Harper, so he's pissed. And he gets his one shot at revenge in playing against him. And he damn well knew that that was never going to happen again. So it just I think it was just so raw that it came out. It, that, was, that was like strict fuck you emotion from BJ and – I th- I thought he handled it great on the post game show last night. You just laughing about it, and not making a big deal. Whereas I think Scotty Pippen right now is like salty about this documentary. Apparently, not talking to anyone. I got to I got to tell you, out of everybody, I mean, we all knew that Jerry Krause was going to be the villain, right? But I didn't realize that they were going to really go in on Pippen. They've made him look like an asshole. A complete asshole, Marco. Because I don't feel like he looks like an asshole at all. Well, but no. There's three. Honestly, there's three stains I, I, on him. Go ahead. I think that that they made Scottie Pippen in the first couple episodes look somewhat sympathetic just because nobody knew that this guy was that underpaid, that he made, you know, it's well documented now that he made more money in his post-Bulls career than he ever did with the Bulls. I think there was some sympathy for Pippen to that end. However, the fact that Scottie Pippen was kind of a dick to Jerry Krause in any mean-spirited way I think that made him look bad, and yeah, the 1.8 does not make him look good. But it had to be it had to be documented, and they didn't do him dirty. I mean, they called it the way it was, and you know, I thought it was. I I did not realize that it that Bill Cartwright broke down in tears, and that he had given the speech, and then that you know Pippen was somewhat contrite about it at the time. So I think that you had to cover it correctly. I will say this that. It doesn't seem like they have done much in terms of showing the greatness of Scottie Pippen on the floor, other than the fact that they did show some of the season, you know, the regular season without 
Now they they, they got it. They could probably do more. I gotta tell you, they they did a decent job of saying how awesome Pippin was and how he became his Robin, and then they also showed that he was the one that actually was able to stop stop Magic Johnson in the '91 Finals. But in terms of the migraine, which Jordan was really swallowing and trying to be as cool as he could about it, the 1.8 seconds. And then, yes, the money part was ridiculous because even Jerry Reinsdorf was telling him, you shouldn't sign this offer. You shouldn't. This is not a good deal. This is something that we're, that we're going to screw you on, and I'm not, I'm not rego- renegotiating. So it's there's a lot of it. To and let's be honest, he's not a nice guy. <laughs> I've been around him a couple of times. He's the first athlete to ever curse me out in, in an open. So I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm more <laughs> than fine. Story. I'm yeah. more than fine with Pippen getting all this on him. We uh, The very first... Um, Bulls media day I ever went to, I got sent out by the, uh, the man cow crew. It was the first big, like anything I ever went to. It's when, uh, Jalen Rose was a bull. And I think Kendall Gill was, uh, was a bull as well. And Scotty Pippen came back for his last, uh, pretty much he signed that last year just so he, so he can retire as a bull. I get to the Birdo center. I'm a little late and Pippen was already, you know, at the, uh, the podium. And then he was by himself. So I went up and I said, Mr. Pippen, I just came a little late. I was wondering if I just snagged a couple of questions from you. The guy looked down at me, gave me the up and down. He goes, did you just fucking hear me talk on the fucking microphone? And you want me to ask more fucking questions? And I was sitting there going, just like two of them? And then just as I said that, Stephen Bartle came over and Ryan Baker came over with microphones. And he goes, all right, y'all, what y'all need? And then I was like, and then by then, I got elbows popped on me. And I wasn't even in that little interview circle anymore. I'm like, all right, I guess it's time for me to go interview Kirk Heinrich. So, so, wait. so yes, Scotty Pivot, you're not a nice person. Well, wait, hold on a second. This is fantastic. Number one, you get an assignment to go to the Birdo Center. Why were you late? Because I, I didn't even, as I think at the time, I had to like borrow a car. It was like a late, it was like a, one of those things like, hey, I was able to get you one. Although it starts like in a half an hour. Can you get down there? And I was like, yeah, I'm running. I'm running. And okay, I was living, so- I was living in, in Logan Square and exactly, you know, from Logan Square to Deerfield, it wasn't a, uh, a hop's given a jump. So I'm just, can you not imagine this Marco Levy just like walking into the Birdo Center? <laughs> Dude, what's going on? Man? Hey, 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 hey oh, I'm sorry. Hey, I shoot my shot, people. I don't care what you say. I shoot a shot. Hey, Scotty Pippen, what's up? Yo, I'm like John Paxson. That shot wasn't supposed to come to me, but it came and I took it. I just happened to uh, bang it off the rim a little bit. That's all. Mr. Pippen. <laughs> I, I came nice. I came nice. Hey, I've seen you on TV, dude. I haven't. I haven't been sized up like that in years. I'll tell you that. Wait much. a minute. Wait a minute. I know we're really going off the path here, Dan. But Go ahead. You get your ass kicked by a Blackhawks GM. No, it wasn't a Blackhawks GM. I got threatened by the GM of the uh, of the Anaheim Ducks. Oh yeah, Sutter. What? No, the Murray. What's his name? I Murray. That. Yeah. He was an ex-Blackhawk, and the story is, and the story goes like this. What if I told you? (laughs) What if I told you that I was covering a Blackhawks game? And the difference between Blackhawks and other sporting events is that the minute the game ends, the the locker room access is almost within 10 minutes. So it's not like like the, uh, the basketball where you have to wait like, 20 minutes so they get the coach out and then another hour till the locker rooms open up and baseball same thing and football same thing you have to wait like an hour till they can let you in but hockey is like game ends everybody bum rushes for the elevator and you get out and you go straight for it 
So uh, the game happened to go into overtime, and the Blackhawks just won. It was like right then and there, Patrick Kane hit the the game winning shot, and we were we were out. And so I, you know, we all went to the uh, to the elevators right there at the United Center, and. I get into the elevator. I mean, the elevator's packed, and everybody's waiting there, and it was Bob Murray, and everybody else was trying to jam in this elevator, but I found a good angle, and I was able to get in before everybody else. I kind of cut in front of everybody, but I was trying to get down there. <laughs> it's me and, like, Chris, they're, like, the main beat writers. We were all bum-rushing it, but I guess I somehow got in the back end of it. We go down. It's a quiet elevator ride. Let's off in the actual basement of the United Center. United Center doors open up. Everybody walks out, and as I'm walking out, this Bob Murray fella does the quick spin around, puts his nose to my nose, and goes, if you ever cut in front of me like that again, I will break every fucking bone in your body. <laughs> and I immediately look at him, and I look at everybody else, and I go, who's this guy? <laughs> and then right then and there, Chris goes like, are you okay? Are you, are you okay? I, I've never seen him get that angry. I know he's he's fiery. I know he's mad. And, and I was like, I was sitting there going like, I had no I was like. Well, he's obviously talking to me because we're within about, I can smell his breath. But I was sitting there in my mind going like, wait, what did I do to deserve this? Who is this guy? Who is, who is this guy? I didn't know. I mean, I don't know anything about hockey. I just know I'm supposed to get the Blackhawks. This dude in the suit, man, I got to tell you, man, the, the look on his face was like as red as anything I've ever seen. And I was sitting there going like, in that moment, I had to replay every, every moment of that 10 minutes going, what did I do? <laughs> nose to nose. Nose to nose, man. It was it was intense. I was like, all right. Who is this guy? I was like, I just looked around I'm like, uh, who is this guy? And they're like, that was that was Bob Murray. He was the next Why were you covering a hockey game in the first place? Well, that was like when the Hawks started doing really good and everybody I was like a you know, it was that was the next assignment. Get hockey players. Get hockey players. Oh, I'm hockey game. Good excuse. <laughs> 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 it was a little rough. It was a little rough. Oh my rough. god! I've had I've had my I've had I've had good moments with athletes, and I I forgot about that one, Mark. Can you a, name one Anaheim Duck in the history of the Anaheim Ducks? <laughs> Not unless they were in the movie. <laughs> Could have named you a player. I, I was gonna say I could barely name you a Blackhawk right now, let alone a uh, an Anaheim Duck. I especially didn't know that guy. Hey, you'll forever know Bob Murray, though. That's that's amazing. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll remember him from now on. <laughs> who's, who's this guy? <laughs> I had no idea who that guy was. But I was like, man, I don't. He's he was old, but I was like, I don't think I could take this guy. He was pretty angry. <laughs> Sometimes you get yelled at, and you're like, all right, I, I might have a shot at this guy. But yeah, I was like. And there was an, there was an anger in his eyes that I've never seen before. Oh yeah, hockey anger is a real thing, man. It was Those it was guys. a different it was a different level of anger, and I was like, "Wow, this old man's gonna really kick the shit out of me." What I don't know what I I was like I don't know what I did. I'm like I'm not the only one that bum rushed that elevator, but I I may have I probably yeah, popped yeah. that guy. I don't know. I, I think Judd Surratt once threw Len Ackerman out of the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one thing that, that's that's deserving. I don't, think uh, I, deserve, I don't think I deserve that. Probably not. All right, gentlemen. Well, I thank you for coming on this podcast. I got to wrap it up here. <laughs> this is one of my more fun ones, but I got to go back and do some, do some other things, but thanks for coming on. This was fun.
Thank you, Lovey Cast. All right, if you want to, if you want to listen to Mark Carmen, where what's the podcast? Where do they get you, Carmio? The Windy City Podcast, Dan. Thank you very much. WGN Radio Saturday nights, six to ten. Um, and really, I just like spending my time listening to Marco on the score. So, uh, <laughs> and Margie Grody can be heard on the score. All right, gentlemen, I got to rock and roll. You be well. Later, buddy. Later, guys. See you guys.